Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! He did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is your weekend college basketball betting preview. I'm Stucky and joining me. As always, our BJ Cunningham and Mike Calabrese. Mike, back with us after battling the flu. How are you feeling, brother? Feeling good. Usually, I wait for mid-March to feel that bad physically. You know, when I've been backdoored like three or four times in a row, kids missing foul shots, costing me five-leg parlays. But uh, I got that out of the way early, and I was just telling BJ that uh, I had no intention of going to the gym before my uh, spring beach vacation. So losing 10 pounds real quick like that, that's a little life hack for you. So if I can just maintain, just kind of tread water here at uh, 172 pounds, no big deal. Um, then, yeah, I'll be pretty happy when, uh, when I hit the beach in Mexico. BJ, how are things? Things are good. I don't, you know, for me, a guy like me, I don't know if I even can go on the beach because I'm so pale. But uh, anyway, yeah, I know things are good. I mean, we've, you know, we just talked two days ago and now we've had some more chaos. We have a couple outstanding matchups coming up this weekend, you know, Duke and North Carolina, Indiana, Purdue. So it's going to get fun as we go forward here in the college basketball season. Yeah, we're going to talk. So we'll we'll add to our futures portfolio. BJ, without you, we added TCU. Now we almost jinxed it. And I thought Mike Miles was going to be out for the year. But now you can get like, you can find the 30 to 41 more. Uh, it's more widespread out there in the market. So we have UConn around, tw- I think, 22 to 1 is when we lock in. You can, I think you can get a little better price at some places. TCU at 40 to 1. We'll add another one today. We will recap the week that was, get any rants in that you want to get in, and then we will move on to uh, Friday night, see if you have anything there, and then we'll get to Saturday's card, go around the horn for any spots that you have circled. No guests this week, probably no guests next week. Week after the Super Bowl, start to bring in conference specialist guests through the end uh, of the regular season leading up to conference tournaments, which we will preview all of. So let's uh, let's get right into it. Week that was, one key takeaway and a rant. I'll, I'll kick things off. My one key, one key takeaway, 
is the, I, so I, I wrote up an article on actionnetwork.com, actionnetwork app about fading Tennessee. Look, the defense is great. They've been lucky. The way that their defense operates, they do give up a lot of open threes, and no one has been able to hit any. And Florida hit some, but I just I don't believe in their offense. And we saw it at Florida last night when they went down by double. They lost by double digits. I do not think that they have a consistent enough offense to win the national title. My thoughts on that were confirmed in that game once they went up uh, against a really good defense. Just the, some of the offense. I mean, they have to rely on flopping and just bad shots, and I. Don't think they can do it. I always say like the five to 20 teams is going to be in the mix, but there's like certain teams that I think have flaws that are going to hold them back. I think Tennessee's offense will. My rant of, my rant of the week, and it's a bad one. I mean, I had, last night I had Presbyterian. I mean, I, at first I had, you know, I had Florida. And then I had uh, Penn State, whatever. I can look three, people have to understand, three-point variance is a huge part of betting college basketball. Huge. Like you could have, you could have a run bad for a month, a season, especially one game. The other team makes a ton of threes. You miss a ton of threes, you're going to you lose your bet. Mason, Mason Gill, he goes nine of 12 from three. He's like a 30% three-point shooter. Yeah, I don't think he's made more than two on the year. Who cares? Great. Tip your cap. Easy. Presbyterian down two with a minute to go. I plus six. They lose by eight when uh, they foul three times. And, uh, of course, the team makes all their free throws. They miss their front end. Fine. Happens. But then... Villanova, and I have plus eight and plus eight and a half. They're leading the entire game, pretty much. They give up, they score five points over the final eight minutes. They give up a 14 0 run. Marquette gets near the number, finally get outside the number. We get we go down, we lay it up, and this has to like so we were down seven now. And I still I felt bad for people that followed at six and a half. I think we're, that's where the line closed. We're at seven. We call a timeout with nine seconds left. Give me a fucking break. Really? So maybe, all right, let's practice defending the inbounds. Inbound, maybe foul? Why? What are we doing? What are we doing fouling down seven with nine seconds left? Like, if you don't steal the inbounds, why are we fouling? So then, of course, Villanova inbounds the ball down nine, and Marquette graciously allows them to get a wide-open path to the lap, and they miss the wide-open dunk that was gets made 99.9% of the time. That was absolutely sickening. And these endgame scenarios, the last 10 seconds, this is where I prefer – when I'm watching the NBA game, it's like, all right, you stop fouling. And the other day I had West Virginia against TCU. I had a lot of rants this week. West Virginia. I mean, they, they benched their two of their star, key starters, the whole second half. I don't know whether like, apparently there was like a bad attitude problem. And they tried to fight the crowd after the game, Jimmy Bell, who just dominated last week. And then uh, I don't know what happened there, but wh- whatever they I have plus th- four, I think plus three and a half. And they, they're West Virginia is down six inbounding the ball. Oh, wait, great. They went down at the buzzer, laid it up. Thanks, no Armstrong. Why couldn't you do that for us? Just lay it in. But you're down six with five seconds. Like, at least shoot the three right away. Like, with five seconds, you could have shot the three. Then you got to try to steal it and then take the three. I mean, I'm saying this just because I want to cover. But what, what's the layup doing? I mean, you're down two possessions. You got to hit it. You got to just chuck it. Uh, you saw Wake Forest. Appleby tried to do this from a half court. And the game went over on this against Duke. But then you're down two. And then you try to steal the inbounds. Like, why are you laying it up? God. So anyway, that's my key takeaway uh, of the week. I know Tennessee's offense is ultimately going to hold them back. And uh, yeah, I was pissed about some bets. I had to get it out of there. Uh, the last time I had a rant started a nice run. So hoping that happens again, Mike, we missed you early in the week. So let's go to you. Key takeaway and any rant you want to get off your chest. Well, key takeaway. I kind of want to bring this up. 
as a hypothetical, are we in the midst of a 2007 college football-esque situation with the number two in the team in the country in college basketball? Because I went through it and we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven losses by the number two team in the country already this season here at the beginning of February. Um, and a, a couple of them, Texas as number two, losing to an unranked Illinois team, Alabama over the weekend, losing to an unranked Oklahoma team by 24. Obviously, your thoughts on Tennessee. We're not just established in this show. You've been basically poking holes in their resume from the beginning. But this just goes beyond the the number two ranking. It's really just the top of the AP right now. Like, I'm a little bit frustrated, to be honest. I had a four-teamer that I was playing with yesterday and I was kind of hemming and hawing for the last leg. And I was like, I don't think Tennessee is going to cover, but they're not going to lose to a 13-9 Florida team. And once they regained the lead in the second half, I was like, okay, they're going to be able yeah, to it felt, Yeah, I felt like my, I was like, oh, man, I was worried about my cover. So I, I don't know. My It's not necessarily a full rant, but it's just like there's nowhere safe to park your money on the money line in college basketball, really anywhere at this point. Now that we're in the heart of conference – play it's it's totally on the road on the road on the road yeah it's it's been really really ugly and i guess you know if i did have to point out to a rant i would say the futures market at the top i think they should be a little more generous at this point i think there should be a lot of teams outside of the 15 to 1 range and you know that they're pricing a handful of these teams that are clearly flawed like tennessee at like 10 to 1 11 to 1 that's not where they should be like when i close my eyes and think about them winning six games in a row in the tournaments, I don't feel like that's a 10 to one proposition at this point. So just the the number two curse at this point, I think I may just start leaning into it, particularly when they have to face unranked opponents. Yep. PJ, what you got? Yeah, I think to that point, you know, it's kind of to both your points, both Stucky and Mike, is that I was obviously Alabama is fine after they just completely obliterated Vanderbilt at home. The it's thing like a football about it game. is it's like yeah. an Alabama Vanity football game. I know. Um, Win by 50. And it's a good lesson in college basketball, like you said, Stucky, of just Alabama for two games just went through a little bit of shooting woes. Like the game against Oklahoma, they went six for 22 from behind the arc, and Oklahoma goes nine for 13, and Oklahoma beats them by 20. And sometimes that just happens. And, you know, I said last podcast that, you know, the trust trust tree has been chopped down and there's nobody left in it. I still don't trust Alabama from a night-to-night basis. But if I had had to pick a team that I think is going to win the title, I'd say it's them right now. Cause it's like you guys mentioned, like I don't trust Houston to win six straight games. I don't trust Tennessee to win six straight games. And it's just going to leave us open to a ton of variants as we get to March. Um, as far as Iran is concerned, I mean, just a, a terrible second half from Indiana against Maryland that sucked, took them live at halftime as well. Uh, and they pretty much just quit down the stretch, just kept turning the ball over. And then I had also under in Providence Savior under 152 and a half. The game lands at 152 in regulation, but goes to overtime, which is always a wonderful sight to see. Those happen from time to time, but I think that was one of the first or second times happened to me this year. And it's just a good, like, oh yeah, this is how a betting college basketball is like. So uh, otherwise I had an okay week, so I don't have too many rants, but yeah, just it's going to set up Indiana for a good spot here against Purdue, but just a really poor second half from them against Maryland. They also got a shit whistle in that game. Yeah, I, they I did. had no money. I had no money on it. Um but yeah, it's uh it's w- wide open here. It's going to be fun. 2000 I like the comparison to 2007 because that was one of the most fun college football seasons our producer 
Matt Mitchell loved. That's his favorite season of all time. And I mean, you have Kansas, the number one, I think whatever, one or two at one point. Um, that's what this feels like. And yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. And, and BJ, that's a great point. Just, I always try to hammer that home because everyone, no matter what, in a college basketball season, you're going to have lulls. You're going to have peaks and valleys. And I mean, some seasons will be like that. I had a season like that last year. Just never could dig yourself out of it. And some seasons you're going to have where everything works out well, but you're still going to have just like a week or some bad beats. You have to just embrace the grind or wait until March to bet. Like you're going to have rough weeks, rough beats. It's okay to get mad about them. That's like how you kind of, and then, but then you got to move on. You can't let them uh, hang over and run into your next bets. It's your point stuck too. It's, you know, a lot of people on social media, they think it's like sour grapes when anyone who who bets and talks about betting frequently says, you know, I was on the right side, but I lost. The reality is sometimes that's just the case. Sometimes yeah. like, you know, a kid gets like a flagrant one out of nowhere in a game with like one second left that you had been covering for, you know, 39 and a half minutes of the game. That's just the way that it goes sometimes. So it's like there, there are instances where things happen outside of what is truly predictable, like a team shooting 40% from the foul line for a night when they shoot 80% for the year. Like it it doesn't matter how good you are at this. There's going to be some of those fluky things. It's like teams, one run records in major league baseball. It's like, is it luck? Is it talent? Is it a mix of both? It's probably a mix, but like sometimes the bloop single just falls in. Like you just have to embrace that elements and allow yourself to be like, all right, sometimes I'm going to go lucky. Sometimes I'm going to get screwed. doesn't mean that I made the wrong play necessarily every time that I lose. Yeah, that is why we play this game. Yep, (laughs) process over results. And yeah, I mean, like you're going to have, like I always say, like you have 30 games, like say take 30 games in a season. You're going to have like five where the team plays like out of their minds, five where they just don't show up. So sometimes you could, on a season, you could be betting a higher frequency of those teams that don't show up in those five games. And then, like I said, shooting, like just shooting variance is going to decide so many games. If some seasons, months can be on your side. The, with the prevalence of the three-point shot, it's like team shoots way over the heads from three, the other team doesn't, and you have a team that doesn't. You're, you're probably screwed, but just understand that and, and just move on. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Um, all right, before we move on, I do have a, a crazy story that this is non-basketball related. Although it's kind of basketball related because I was looking into, it was like 4.45 in the morning. I was updating some college basketball numbers. 
and I was looking in my at into which future I wanted to. That's where we'll get into next. Which future I wanted to bet uh, and add for the segment, bring to the table. And I was like, oh, I got to take my trash out. So I go and open the door, and I put like this big jacket on, and it was really cold. So uh, I had headphones on, and I'm looking at my phone. And I walk outside and then like, I kind of hear something, but I had my headphones on. So it wasn't looked up and within five feet of me is a guy in all black in a mask covering his entire face, a ski mask, five feet behind him. There's another guy. They were walking down my driveway and they just came around a car and I was walking out and came face to face with them. And I was like, Oh my God. Now I probably scared the shit out of them because they weren't expecting to see me. And I, I brought the jacket. I was wearing a jacket like this. This like I look like a... <laughs> I, I, I thought for sure you were invited. And then I popped my gun out, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I look like a rock I, I look like a Russian like operative. That's a Russian. This. Yeah, you look like a Russian DJ right now, honestly. <laughs> so and I'm I'm like, this is what I was wearing, and then I'd like a ski cap. Like yeah. so I probably freaked them out. So we all make eye I mean, I was we all make eye contact. I couldn't see anything about them. They had masks with eye holes. And I'm frozen in fear. Like, I'm like, and stunned that I'm like, oh my God, like, that's the last thing you expect. I live in a really nice neighborhood. And they, like, are obviously stunned too. And then they, like, there was like, it felt like 10 minutes. It was like three seconds. And I'm just standing there. And then they looked at each other and then took off. And they ran back up my driveway. They didn't slip. I was hoping they slipped because it was really icy um but then they jumped they got they re- jumped up to like this 10 foot fence that separates my neighbors and my house with nothing you can like put your feet on jumped up grabbed it and then i have a video of them I'll, I'll send it to you guys so i was taping them running away so i'm freaked out i'm like was someone just trying to rob my house like what the fuck was going on like what the fuck it took me like hours to calm down and then like the next i called the cops and blah blah, blah. the next day uh all my neighbors had like videos and they had they there was they were just going up and down the neighborhood trying to open car doors and uh do, and then houses that were unlocked and i just happened to walk out right when they were coming down my driveway it was fucking crazy wow so anyway um a little crazy story but uh so That's never insane. go outside <laughs> at 4 45 in the morning and be, just be careful there's crazy people out there so then i started looking at this this is like a thing that happens all over like in all these suburbs around here these people are just going around and just looking for open car doors and so uh lock your car doors and be careful but um so anyway so the future that i came up with uh while that was happening um in bj you transition is you the Idaho of... Vandals? There we go. Yes. All right, now I yeah. see. I think this should this episode there. should just be Stucky's storytelling hour. I just want to get your rants and then what's been <laughs> happening in your life just for a full hour. I think the listeners want that more than whatever the stupid futures are going to lose. We're about to bring up. I'll I'll try I'll try to bring one a week from now on. Um, BJ, you alluded to this. Indiana plays Purdue on Saturday. They are playing great basketball of late. Sands that game. Maryland playing really well at home this year. They got a Really friendly whistle. Indiana's also been dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, you would, you know, Thompson's still kind of a shell of himself. Geronimo's been hurt. You're going to get Xavier Johnson back, presumably, at some point. You have an All-American player that you can rely on. And coming into the season, this is a team that many touted as a potential Final Four team. 
And I think at their peak, this is a top 10 team. And you can find them, let's see, 50 to 1. It's pretty widespread. And I think this is the right time to buy them because I think if they get healthy, they're in that mix. They're in the mix of teams that can make a deep run easily to the final four. And if they beat Purdue here, right, this is maybe the bottom of the market for Indiana because then also they're probably going to keep getting healthier. So I'm going to bring Indiana 50 to one to the table. I think this is the right time to buy whether or not they beat Purdue. So like, even if they lose to Purdue um, and I think they're going to beat Purdue on Saturday, but even if they lose to Purdue, their, their price isn't going to fall off too much, but as they get healthier, I think they're going to get hot here. I like what I've seen of late. And then from a futures perspective, losing that game at Maryland right before this Purdue game, I think this is probably the right time to buy the Hoosiers. Um, so I'm going to roll with IUBB. BJ, I'll throw it to you. Uh, hopefully you came up with your future in a much safer manner than I did. Oh, yes, I did. Um, you know, me living in... Uh... in indoors. Um, yeah. I mean, it's it's obviously got... still been very, very cold here in Iowa. And I, I can allude that because I have a very long driveway and I probably have to walk, I don't know. 100 150 yards to actually take my trash can to the to the corner which is always a a fun ordeal but my neighbors are cows so you know I don't really have the same problems you do but anyway I'm going to bring in I'm by the way great news Brian Friends lifetime yeah great there, great news there were you know I was on the Iowa message boards and I thought we were getting Josh Gaddis for a little bit but no no cho- no coaching changes Kirk couldn't fire his son just couldn't do it uh so yeah but hey you know what we have Cade McNamara and people forget he took Michigan all on his back to the college football playoff. And now we have him. So anyway, that's for another day. I want to bring to the table Virginia. You can find them at 25 to one uh, at a couple books. Now they are coming in on a seven game win streak coming into the weekend against Virginia tech. And like we alluded to on Tuesday, like you did stuck, not the best of spot. And you know, it's, it's a potential lull for them. They could potentially lose that game, but after that game, their schedule opens up pretty well. They're, they got two home games against NC State and Duke, and then their last difficult road test is near the end of the season against North Carolina. I think that with this Virginia team now at 25 to 1, I have to ask myself, are they going to be 25 to 1 come March Madness, given how easy their schedule is going forward? Obviously, the ACC is very down. But bracket you assume Matrix- they also make a run in the ACC tournament because right. it's, it's just going to be hard to get upset early in that bracket. Exactly. And so now... I have to ask myself again, are they going to be 25 to one by the time the tournament comes? Bracket Matrix has them as a three seed right now. If they only lose one or two games down the stretch, you could potentially be looking them at a only five losses, potentially a two seed in the tournament. This is a team that is has incredible experience for their five starters or seniors. All four of the, all five of them can hit shots from outside the arc. They I mean they have four guys shooting over 40% from behind the arc. They have one of the best coaches in the country. They're playing their slow pace. They, you know, they're 20, you know, they're, you know, the, the good mark of being around, you know, tw- below 20 uh, in terms of your ranking for offensive and defensive efficiency. They're right around there right now. So I think the time is now to buy in on Virginia rather than if they potentially do run the table in a weak ACC and we get to the tournament and there are two, even a three seed and they're sitting at 15, 16 to one. And like we've already mentioned with all the variants and the things that are happening, with all these other teams who clearly have flaws, I think Virginia is worth a bet at 25 to one. Yeah. And you have a, uh, one of the best coaches in the country. And 
another thing, well, I'll I'll save my thoughts for that um before when we vote. Let me throw it to Mike. What are you what are you gonna bring here? So I make no bones about it. I think the Mountain West is one of the best, you know, conferences out there in terms of, you know, kind of straddling that fence of true mid-major conference and, you know, not quite power five conference and kind of going through it. I was thinking of this, you know, Boise San Diego state game that's coming up. And I was like, I wonder what San Diego state's number is right now. hundred to one. That doesn't move me. I wonder what Boise's is. Try 300 to one for Boise state to win the national title. And I understand that it's a huge jump to say that they're going to win six games at 300 to one. What I'm really betting is, can they make it to the second weekend? And in terms of their path, if they're to win the Mountain West Conference Tournament, I believe that they'll get a seven or an eight seed. And we've discussed all throughout this podcast ever since we launched up at the beginning of January that the one and two seeds this year are incredibly vulnerable. So if they are able to get into a matchup with a one or two seed in the round of 32, I think that Rice has the coaching prowess, particularly end of game situations. You saw it against New Mexico about two Fridays ago where they do the half court pass, timeout, set up a half court play, get a wide open three, send it to overtime. And the other element of it is I love what they do defensively. They're fifth in three-point defense this year as a team. They're 10th in opposing shooting efficiency allowed. So they can win those grinded out games where there's tons of stoppages at the end. There's lots of reviews and timeouts. They have the coaching. They have the offensive versatility as well with four starters averaging double digits. The number is what drew me in. Anything less than 200 to one wouldn't move me. But 300 to one, it's basically in the same category of teams that, in my opinion, are going to be cannon fodder in the first round of the tournament, if even make it. You know, they have teams like Chattanooga at 300 to one. It's like, yeah, they're just going to get blasted just like Colgate and all these other squads. I think Boise could put it together and win three games, have a, you know, a nice Cinderella run to the second weekend, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. And then when you're holding a 300 to one ticket, even with couch change on it, that presents a ton of hedge opportunity. So you're not always playing to win the game, as Herm Edwards would say, the game being the national title. In this case, I think I'm just banking on a little mini run out of my Broncos here and 300 to one gets it done for me. Yeah. The, they would be in that, like they could probably gonna be in like that seven to 10, which is like, uh, you got to face a one or a two most likely in the second round, but this is the year where the ones and the twos, there's not much difference between the threes and the fours. Right. And like the, the gap between, like we said that like the top five teams and then 10 through 15, not great. It's not massive. So I don't think there's a lot of separation. So I don't think like those teams that get the seven, eight, nine, ten are as hamstrung as they might be from making a potential run in the future. All right, let's vote. Then we'll uh, share our thoughts. Let's go. Hold up a one for Indiana, a two for Virginia, and a three for Boise State. On three, two, one. All right, we're going with my. Indiana Hoosiers, you guys both voted for Indiana. I went with Virginia. I, I like the price of Boise. Don't mind that as a, just a, a fire and long shot this year. I'll give you my thoughts on uh, on both of yours, um, and I'll go to you guys. For, uh, the one thing worries about me about Boise is that they run into like a, like if they would run into Purdue, like they just don't have the size. But I love if they can switch their switchability. Their depth really concerns me. So like that's okay in the tournament. You play like two games, you got a break. But if they have anyone that gets hurt. They're just like down to freshmen. They're one of the, I think they're like outside the top 350 in bench minutes. 
So their depth does concern me a bit. And I also, I'm like, do I, like the Mountain West has tricked us before. I'm a huge fan of the Mountain West this year. I think this is the year where we can actually believe in them. Like if you just look from a talent perspective um, and San Diego state, you mentioned they're interesting. They're just so reliant. Like Matt Bradley is so streaky that if he's on, like they're ridiculous, but if he's just taking 17 shots and he's three of 17, they could they, like, he could shoot them out of the game, which worries me about that. But I, I believe in the Mountain West this year. I'm going to go out. I'm going to say that, but they've tricked me before. And then in regards to Virginia, yeah, this is probably a good time to buy them. It's not, I don't think they, they could, like, I, I think they're going to lose on Saturday. But the, it's not going to do much to their price. They're probably probably going to be an underdog, and the ACC is so bad that they're just going to stack wins, improve their seating, and a couple of things I like about that. I mean, they have one of the best coaches in the country. Their defense isn't as elite, but it's still like a top twenty-five defense, like as elite as we've seen. Their offense is really good, and then you know Bennett's going to always have a great defensive scout. They have a point guard in Kia Clark who's won a national title, and for, you know he was a contributor on that team, and they grind games. They're comfortable in the half court, which is a lot of times what these uh, NCAA tournament games turn into, but they're running great offense and um, they certainly could make a run. Um, but you guys went with my Hoosiers, BJ. I'll throw it to you. Any thoughts that you want to add? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the right time to buy Indiana, especially coming off that loss. And, you know, they have two games coming up, obviously against Purdue this weekend, but then against Rutgers as well, following that, both of them at home. If they beat Purdue on a national stage, you know, this is a 4 p.m. ESPN game, that price is definitely going to drop to probably at least 45 or 40 to 1. So I agree with you. I think now it's definitely the time to buy in on Indiana. Mike, anything you want to add? Yeah, I mean, Indiana couldn't throw it in the ocean against Maryland. As you mentioned, Stuck, like that happens from time to time. The Terps also got 29 foul shot attempts in that game. So, like, what are you going to do? I, I don't hold that against them. I'm, we'll get into it for Saturday's card. I like the Hoosiers. I'll, I'll get into a few more reasons why. Um, but certainly, I think this is probably the best price you're going to get them at for the rest of the season. A really good home court advantage, too. One of the best in the country. And their next two games mm-hmm. are against top 25 teams at home. Uh, so they also have Rutgers at home after uh, Purdue. So they certainly could uh, improve their stock over the next week. All right, good stuff. So now we have, and I like this because we have like a U- UConn at 22 to one. We have TCU at 40 to one and Indiana at 50 to one. And I would argue that these are three teams that are in that mix that, you know, of the 15 to 20 best teams in the country. And we're getting them at generous prices. And I think at the end of this exercise, when we have six to six or seven teams, that's what we want. And then we want that. You know, we want to try to buy these teams at the right time, but we want to find those teams that, and we might throw one or two long shots in, Mike, to your point, that we just, hey, let's get this team to this point, and then we can hedge. Um, but as far as our core portfolio, I think we're off to a good start. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, 
Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Let's move on to Friday night. Why let football have all the fun? Let's bet Friday night lights. It's another lackluster Friday. I feel like these Friday cards are shorter, smaller than they have been. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Am I crazy? Well, there's or no, that... there's no like big, uh, Big Ten game. Like the Big Ten has now stopped playing on Friday nights, which usually get like a Michigan Purdue type game. But yeah, we just don't even have that anymore. Yeah, I mean the big game is uh, Boise State at San Diego State for first place. Uh, that game's at ten o'clock <laughs> on FS1. Kent State Akron will always be contentious as well. Um, and then so, but yeah, not the not the sexiest card. Mike, I'm gonna throw it to you. Do you have anything for Friday night? We got another first place tussle in the ancient eight. Cornell traveling to Princeton. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Tigers won by seven in Ithaca earlier this month. I was high on Princeton earlier in the season. They kind of had uh some growing pains early on. Iwoma has basically been the same player now that he's in Ivy League plays, averaging 14, six, and five. And it's the Princeton team that I bought in on to win preseason because four of their five starters are either juniors or seniors. They can really shoot their 37th and effective field goal percentage even better inside the arc. And what's interesting is generally it's kind of just like a pillow fight for rebounds in the Ivy League because there's there's just not that many established bigs. But Princeton this year has been a great defensive rebounding team, sixth in percentage nationally. So when you go up against a Cornell team that likes to run and gun from three-point range and you don't want to give them extra possessions, they're shooting and making threes um, at, at the third highest rate in all of college basketball, 36% from three as a team. So I think it's important for for Princeton to try to limit them, at least in second-chance opportunities. I don't know what Torvik has this as right now. There's not a number on the board. I would probably go up to Princeton minus four. I feel good about that. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go with the Tigers and a pretty light card, as you mentioned on Friday. But uh, this Ivy League matchup caught my attention. Yeah, Princeton, I think minus two on early openers right now. And yeah, they, they're going to score. So if you like the matchup for their defense, because the Cornell defense is bad. Yeah, the Cornell to, offense uh, is electric, but to add to the Cornell, their defense has been bad, but gotten even worse. In their last five, they're giving up 82 points per game, so they've kind of fallen off a cliff, and they're not exactly going up against a murderous row of opponents. So yeah, it's it should be a high scoring game, and and they can really let the Princeton offense get a lot of high percentage looks. Nice, love it. Little Ivy League Friday night action, BJ. Anything that you were targeting on Friday night? <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to go St. Louis against VCU at home. Ken Palm has us at St. Louis minus three. I do like the Billikens here at home. VCU, they've been running a little too hot lately. And outside of essentially forcing turnovers from their press, their defense is actually quite bad. They're 
343rd in the country in points per possession in the half court, while St. Louis is a top 100 team offensively. And St. Louis also has one of the best mid-major guards in the country, Yuri Collins. He's leading the country uh, in assist rate by a pretty wide margin right now. St. Louis is obviously a very heavy pick-and-roll type team in which VCU does struggle defending. And VCU offense, like they they do an incredible job of finishing at the rim. Like they're shooting over 60% on shot attempts there. But St. Louis is very, very good at defending the rim, only allowing 51% on the shot attempts there as well. And VCU, they crash the offensive glass at a high rate, and they're a top 10 team in terms of getting to the free throw line. But if you just take their conference metrics so far, they're actually eighth in the Atlantic 10 in terms of free throw rate. So a lot of what they've done of getting that free throw line has come in the non-conference. They barely were able to beat Davidson on Tuesday. This is a back-to-back road trip spot, so I like the spot here for St. Louis at minus three. Nice. I, yeah. See, the one thing that worries me is with with St. Louis is that, and, and I agree with you. I think that this is probably the right time to fade VCU. Is that like, and, and Yuri Collins is, is an amazing, amazing passer. His, I mean, what his assist rate is forty nine point seven. Kidding me? Seven um, percent higher than the next closest guy in college basketball. Yeah, it's just that he has these games every once in a while, and that's why their numbers aren't great against the press. That, that he'll just turn it over way too much, and he's just way too. Uh, sloppy with the ball, like it'll have like seven or eight turnovers, just these random blip games. So you want to avoid that. But yeah, this is probably a good time to buy. Let's go. You know, I don't love anything on on the board, but there's one game that's going to be really fun. Let's see if this is on TV too, because even if you don't bet this, you're going to want to tune in. Uh, so yeah, it's on ESPNU. Um, so Kent State and Akron, they're both eight and one in the conference. You might recall last year, Kent State went to Akron, won that game, and they they like went to the crowd and like basically were like, and the crowd was screaming "nephew," and then they were like ran up to them after uh, Akron missed a shot at the buzzer to win it. And these teams hate each other. Kent State swept, and Akron actually um, beat them last year in the MAC tournament when there was all kinds of shit talk and. <laughs> Akron blew them out in the MAC tournament. I think I think Kent State is the better team. These are two great defensive teams, and Kent State has like they have the guys that and this is that live for kind of the these hostile environments. And this is when you get their their best effort from guys like Sincere Carey. So I think they're going to go into Akron. It's going to be close. It's going to be tight. And I think they're, I think they're catching, maybe probably catching one here. Yeah. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Kent state and then this will just be a fun game, fun atmosphere. So even if you don't bet it, try to tune in and catch some. Um, all right, let's close things out here with a look at Saturday's card. Kind of go around the horn style and just fire off what we like one at a time. I'll mention a couple. And another rant, I'm getting, this happens every year. I, I had Purdue fans in my mentions, like, why are you always fading Purdue? So I was like, all right, let me go back and check. Now, granted, I got lucky. I'm lucky with Iowa State, lucky with Michigan. I'm five and four fading Purdue this year. Like, this is, this happened with uh, Oklahoma State fans early in the year. Like, give it time. Like, just, there's, there's a whole season. If I'm lower in the market, I'm going to fade them. A lot. Um, and if there's, you know, but I'm five and four. I'm actually one fading Purdue this year. Are you sure um, they're not bots? 
<laughs> they're probably boxed. Yeah, yeah, some of them are boxed. And for those wondering, yeah, I mean, I won Florida State. Florida State, man, I probably wouldn't make that, but again, Michigan Big time State. no show on Wednesday from them. Yeah, Maryland, Nebraska, and Michigan, who was lucky. And then I lost West Virginia early in the year, Ohio State, probably should have covered, Penn State, and Minnesota. So anyway, Indiana, this is one of the best spots of the year, in my opinion, at home against this Purdue team that has been playing a bit over its head. Like just there's there's some shooting regression coming. They are wonderful um, in the interior. And I got to give Edie tons of credit. Like I mentioned earlier this week, he has the National Player of the Year award already locked up. But this is a pure through and through Indiana spot here. Give me the Hoosiers, and then I'll th- the other one I'll throw out. The, I'm just going to throw out the obvious ones to start is Virginia Tech against Virginia. Um, this Virginia Tech team, I mean, you can go back and look at all their close losses by one and two, and they didn't have Couture. And they also, I don't know if there's an update, because this is Virginia Tech doesn't have a ton of depth, but Maddox, who's also important, he's been a- away from the team with a personal for personal reasons. I think he might return this weekend, but – this is a Virginia Tech team that's very comfortable operating in a half-court style. These are two great offenses. Desperation game. Like, even in their – like, Miami, like, you had Nigel Pack make, score, like, 17 points in a minute, just go nuclear. In a game, they were really controlling at Miami. Um, same thing happened at Clemson. Earlier this year at Virginia, that was back and forth until the end. So, yeah, I think Virginia Tech is – they're just right to go on a run. They did the same exact thing last year – I believe in this team with Hunter Couture back was really important offensively and defensively. So I'm, I'll be buying Virginia Tech here. Would love to get them as an underdog. I think they'll probably, they'll probably open as a dog and then be, become a short favorite as they always take money. Uh, so those are my two obvious ones. Favorite spots of the day, Indiana and Vatek. Mike, I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I, I think we're all in on Indiana. And for the Purdue fans who are wondering, why do you keep coming for the Boilermakers? You know, in January, on the road, they skated by Ohio State by two. They skated by Minnesota, and Zed Key gets hurt in the first play of the game, and then they Ohio well, State turns it over, turns it over, and yeah, all of, they had to do was know, inbound the ball, and they all they had to do was inbound the ball, and they win. And the then game. they only beat Michigan by five in Ann Arbor, so it's like they are clearly mortal. And yeah, they bar- I, barely beat Maryland. This is a team that you can that can be yeah, the cop. And the, and the last thing, too, you mentioned it, Stuck, how good Indiana is at home. They're fifth nationally in shooting percentage, but second nationally at home. So it's like they just turn into this supernova when it comes to shooting the basketball from all over um, in Bloomington. So, yeah, I, I'm with you there. Um, there. There's not a number out just yet for Gonzaga St. Mary's, but I'm very interested in the under. And this is one of those, you know, contrast makes fights situations. St. Mary's. 350th in pace. Gonzaga 29th. Uh, you know, St. Mary's is very good from three, 31st uh nationally at 37.5%. But defensively, they just make it very difficult to get easy looks. Like that's the reason why the Gales are in the top 25 at this point. They're fourth in opponent, made basket to assist ratio, 11th in two-point percentage defense. They don't foul very much. So you're not gonna get, you know, freebies from the line. They're fourth in defensive rebounding percentage, which is huge for a Gonzaga team that can play fast, but by speeding you up, sometimes they leave you out of position and they get those easy putback buckets. St. Mary's has done a great job of tightening up on that. And then finally, the Gales do not at all 
turn the ball over, which makes it even more difficult to get your running game going. So when I look at that and the fact that Gonzaga has already played three really close games on the road this year against San Francisco, Santa Clara, BYU, I think this is just going to turn into a grinded out game that's played in the 70s as opposed to being played in the 80s or 90s. And obviously the number is going to go a long way in determining how passionate I feel about this one. But I think St. Mary's is going to be able to impose their preferred tempo at home. Yeah, and, really, to get, really interesting. Yeah, I'm curious to see where that number opens up. I, I think St. Mary's is clearly the best team in that conference right now. Gonzaga has major issues on defense. They're like in the second percentile nationally in post defense, which is crazy, but it shows you how much they miss Chet Holmgren in the center. And then, you know, they're still trying to iron out a point guard. Now, they still run beautiful offense. It's still one of the best offenses in the country, but they have major holes on defense. And I think St. Mary's can exploit them with their, I mean, they're one of the heaviest pick and roll teams in the country. They run it to perfection, but St. Mary's is a team, like you mentioned, this will be a grinder and Gonzaga's going to get their butt. It's not a team that I I would love like laying like four or five with in, in the, in this spot. So maybe we get like a cheaper price and there's some early, uh, the market opens too low on St. Mary's, but um, yeah, this is, the, it's weird. It's like the first time, we've ever gone into a St. Mary's Gonzaga game where it's like St. Mary's is better. Like everyone, a lot of people agree with that. So we'll see if St. Mary's can handle the, the kind of role reversal and pressure of that. But yeah, I agree. It's probably more of a grinder, which suits them well, but then it makes me a little uncomfortable laying, you know, if this opens at a sharper four and a half or so, BJ, do you want to add something? And then where are you going? Well, yeah, I was going to say Ken Palm has this game at 139, Mike, with the St. Mary's by five. So, and I mean, you mentioned the Gonzaga, I know, which is, which seems very low for a Gonzaga game, but yeah, I was, yeah, I was looking up this game earlier today. Gonzaga's defense is so, so bad. I mean, they're outside the top 300 in points per possession out in the half court. This is a Mark Few team. Like, yeah, they, they are really, really bad. So like you mentioned, like I, I would love to play St. Mary's here, but like, like you mentioned stuck, I don't, I don't really want to lay five against Gonzaga yeah. with how good their offense is. So it's going to be very, very, that's a very, very interesting game to watch. Yeah, basically, if I had to pop in a play to sub out and under, because at 139, it's a pass for me. You know, if it can bubble up to even like 143. And it may inflate because it's Gonzaga. You never sure, know, but, but right now, Ken Palm has 139. The, the sub-in game I would have is Villanova-Creighton. And uh, it, it's something, you know, living just west of Philadelphia, this is discussed a lot amongst Villanova fans. They beat the brains out of the Blue Jays at the Pavilion, and they are terrified to go to Omaha. When you look at this series the last few years, Creighton goes to the main line last January, loses by 34. Year before that, Nova goes out to Omaha, loses by 20. Year before that, the Pavilion, Nova by 12. Before that, Omaha, Creighton by 16. So I'm going to stick with that. And this is a, it's not just a pure trend play. I'm also very high on Creighton at this point. I think they have it figured out. They're healthy. I think it's a double-digit runaway game for them. I'd lay probably up to like 13 in this game. I think the fact that Nova fell apart against Marquette, that's not necessarily a break-your-will moment game for them this season, but in their first year without Jay Wright, there's not that steadying influence where it's like, we're just going to keep hammering away and we'll get better as the season goes on. And at this point, I just think that Creighton is by far the better team and in this series – They've been really aggressive against Nova. It's been one of the big games they've had circled on their schedule. So I'm going to go ahead with Creighton laying, like I said, up to 13. 
I was thinking about Villanova here because I, I think that they're undervalued in the market right now with Justin Moore back, who I think is really important, especially defensively. It's also like a facilitator helps Whitmore and he can get his own shot. So I think that they've been missing him immensely and the market has agreed. I mean, Villanova's taken money both times. I think they've, I think that their line has moved like two or three points from the open uh, with more back and he's only going to get better, but yeah, I'm worried about like the, with Neptune, the, just the state of mind, like with Jay Wright, I would have, that would be like, they're going to be right back here, but they've, it's just not the state team. And that, that was, that could be just a, a loss that lingers because you pretty much needed that game to have any shot in at large. So now it's kind of just like, uh, this game is not as meaningful and it's probably like, all right, who cares? We got to get to the biggest tournament and hopefully win that for your season. So th- it could have lingering effects here on the second straight road game in a tough place to play. Uh, BJ, where do you want to go? I'm going to go Kansas against Iowa state. It's Ken Palm has Iowa state minus one. You're uh, fading Iowa state. Yeah, I know. Right. Wow. Yeah. In uh, the most overrated home court advantage in college basketball. <laughs> um, what this game comes down to, and I think you saw it against Texas Tech on Monday, is that Iowa State's offense just goes through these stretches and just becomes very, very underwhelming. I mean, for the season, they're at 0.95 points per possession in the half court. That's 297th in the country. They're 313th in field goal percentage from mid-range jumpers, which they fall into quite often. They're outside the top 250 in shot selection, spacing. This is just not a good offense. Now, they did take Kansas to the brink the last time in Allen Fieldhouse. But Kansas did shoot 28% from behind the arc in that meeting, and they're starting to heat up again. They shot over 40% from behind the arc against Kansas State. So what happens when Iowa State can't hold Kansas under 35% from behind the arc? And here's the thing is that Iowa State, if you look at their metrics, you'll you'll see, oh, my gosh, they're shooting over 38% from behind the arc. That's really, really good. Well, they don't take a high frequency of three-point shots. It's a lot of dribble drive. It's actually a lot of low-quality chances. So – I think this is a good spot for Kansas, who has historically owned Iowa State. They've won seven straight against them, three straight in Hilton Coliseum. So I like Kansas at a pick. I think you'll see a lot of people on Iowa State who are coming off you know, two straight losses, obviously blowing the huge lead against Texas Tech. But again, like you mentioned on Tuesday, Stuck, like if you pr- apply any little bit of pressure to Iowa State, they just crumble. So Kansas, who does turn over opponents at a decent rate, I like the Jayhawks on the road. Yeah, Kansas getting a little more from McCuller of late in their bench, which I think they they need, and that's going to be one of their critical things to watch for the Jayhawks uh, moving forward. Not shocked that you are fading <laughs> Iowa State, but um, yeah, I think that they are shooting a little bit over their heads too, but they're not uh, a three-point line team. And yeah, if you they, they struggle from the line, they struggle with turnovers, and I think that's going to ultimately be their demise come March. Um, I'm going to go... Well, we, I'm going to get your thoughts on this game, and then you guys can add. I'm going to go with North Carolina is who I'm going to look for. This is a fascinating game against Duke uh, in that last year, this North Carolina team, who basically swapped out uh, Brady Manick for um, Pete Nance, they went on the road to Cameron in Coach K's final game at Cameron and beat them. And then in Coach K's final game in the final four, they beat them again. And North Carolina has struggled this year. And I think that – and last year they struggled kind of during the regular season as well. They also have depth problems this year. They're not getting anything from their bench. That's something to watch for them down the stretch. But it's not as important once you get to the tournament. You play two games, you play more of half court, and then you get like you know four or five days off. And 
so in a way, I think North Carolina last year they went to the NCAA double tournament where they were an eight or nine seed. So they didn't have a great regular season. In a way, I feel like they've been just coasting and you're seeing that on a night in night out basis. You're not getting maximum effort, but this is a team with a ton of experience, ton of big game experience and then big game players that are inconsistent, but just show up in moments like this and kind of thrive in an environment like this. So I think you're going to get North Carolina's best effort because you could say our Duke revenge, like from last year, they coach K coach K is not there anymore. This is a brand new team. So, I mean, yeah, you could uh, pump it up before the game and then, you know, the crowd's going to be excited. You're going to get some calls at Cameron as always, but I think North Carolina lists for this and Duke's offense still has issues. They really, really thrive on the offensive glass, but North Carolina, really good defensive rebounding team. So yeah, I think that if, what are we going to get three or four here? Maybe. Um, with North Carolina struggling a bit, they lost the pit. I would love to get North Carolina as a dog. I think this goes right down the wire, and I trust the experience of North Carolina. I think a game like this is going to kind of get their juices flowing, and you're going to see uh, – I mean, you got to remember back early in the season, you know, this is a team that went four overtimes with Alabama, um, you know, beat Ohio State on a neutral, Michigan. like, And, you know, then they lose the pit twice. So this is a team – I just think that they kind of know how good they are. But I, I think they have more issues than that. But this is you're just going to get – you're going to get their – you know because they, they can't shoot, Duke can't shoot, but you're going to get them I, – I trust them more to shoot well with their experience here and handle the pressure of this game than I do Duke at home, as crazy as that sounds. So what are your – Mike, any thoughts on that game, and then where do you want to go? I can say two things real quick. Maybe Pitt's okay. Like maybe it is good, Pitt yeah. is actually pretty decent this year. I think at this point we may have to start taking them seriously. I, I had them plus eight and a half. So I watched a lot of that game, you know, last night. Additionally, I agree with everything that you said. I'm going to add on two points. If Puff Johnson plays in this game, give me the Tar Heels. Absolutely. Because I think they can keep the Blue Devils off of the offensive glass. And number two, at this point, is there a player in the ACC more integral to a team winning than Filipowski is to the Blue Devils? Like when you look at their last batch of losses, nine points and a loss to Wake for him. 14 points in their loss to NC State, and he fouls out against Clemson on the road, they lose. They got to have him play, and they got to have him be pretty special. So I think if Puff Johnson's back in there, they're throwing him, they're throwing Baycott at him, that experience. I think there's tons of value on North Carolina money line. I won't even mess around with the points. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, yeah, I was actually looking at taking the over here in this game. Uh, you know, What's what's interesting is that Duke is actually playing at a much, much slower pace than they typically have. Like they're 265th in Justin Tempo. But with that being said, I honestly think Duke's, Duke's best path to success, success here is to turn this into a track meet and play a lot in transition. They're 34th in the country in points per possession in transition. North Carolina is allowing 1.38 points per possession in transition. That's 349th in the country. And obviously, Duke has been playing much better with Jeremy Roach back in the lineup. If you take his on-off splits, last four games with him in the lineup, Duke's at 1.16 points per possession. Without him, those three games in the ACC, they're at 1.01. So he's obviously very important to them. And North Carolina's biggest Achilles heel this season obviously has been their defense. Like they're they're pretty bad at defending at the rim, which is something Duke loves to they let their have a high percentage of their shots going to the rim. The flip side of it though is Baycott should be able to have a really, really nice game here because Duke has been really, really bad at defending in the post. 336th in field goal percentage allowed from the post this season. So I think mathematically, like Ken Palm has a, has this at 142. And yes, because of Duke's slower pace, that's why I think you're getting a little bit of lower total. But given the fact that their best best path to success is to play up with North Carolina's pace. 
I think that can lead to an over. So I'll be looking to play an over of 142. I'm probably going to play it right when it comes out because this is Duke, North Carolina. It's one of the biggest games. Everybody obviously just loves to bet the over in this game. So uh, I think if you grab it early, you can get a pretty decent number on the over. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I think this North Carolina team wouldn't mind getting into a track meet. What you have anything else you want to add? Yeah, I'll do one more. Let's go. Let's go a little mid major. How about Delaware plus five at home against Charleston? Charleston finally lost to Hofstra, thrilling 85-81 game last weekend. Now we are recording this on Thursday. I didn't bet that, by the way. We talked about betting it, and it yeah. totally slipped. Like, are you kidding me? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, was that Mike? Was that you and I were talking about that? Yeah, I didn't. That, bet, I didn't bet that. I don't know how it slipped my that, card. That, that was my upset call for the weekend. It was uh, a phenomenal call, and I closed it plus three fifteen. Yeah, well, I actually like it again here because you're going to catch Charleston on a back-to-back road trip. They're playing Drexel on Thursday now. It is important the status of Jire Davis and L.J. Owens for mm. Delaware. They missed the last game. Not really sure why, and they are playing Monmouth on Thursday. So be on the lookout if those two guys are in the lineup potentially there or for looking at any news. I mean, obviously with these small mid-major teams, it's very, very difficult to actually find injury information on them. So I have no idea what's going on, but if they both play, I like this spot. Once again, the last time these two teams met Jameer Nelson jr. Did not play. He's one of the most, probably Delaware's best player obviously was a massive miss. Delaware went three for 15 from behind the arc in that game. When they're around for the season, they're shooting around 34% in conference play. In that game, Charleston did have an off-shooting night, like they only were 5 of 24 from behind the arc, but they went to the free-throw line 33 times and grabbed 17 offensive rebounds. So the question is, is what happens if they can't do that, especially at Delaware? So if Delaware is fully healthy, I like them catching Charleston on a back-to-back at home at plus 5. I'm going to throw Oklahoma State out there um, against home against TCU – I mentioned, so I played West Virginia, which lost against TCU. Mentioned that earlier in this week. And it kind of what, I mean, I'm BJ, I kind of was talking about why I didn't love the play, but liked it, is that it wasn't the best spot. Like, get TCU with revenge, and it's the first game without Miles. And a lot of times when that happens, like your first game without your star player, everyone else steps up, which is what I think you saw also in that game. I For whatever reason, West Virginia didn't play two other starters the entire second half because they just had bad body language and I don't know what, what happened in that game. So now you don't have miles. You could see the transition game was just not there. It's not the same. And what, what the, where they did exploit West Virginia was just at the rim. There was like a million layups and dunks. Like you're not going to do that against Oklahoma state. One of the best two point defenses and an elite defense at the rim in the country. TCU can't really shoot from deep. They're not going to have the transition there. Uh, Oklahoma State playing better as of late. Musa came back. They're big at 18 points. They're seven foot one guy. Lampkin was still really limited. Yeah, can we get I mean, TC? Oklahoma State's probably going to be a small favorite here. But I think this is the second game. This is where you see the effect of no miles. And they're not going to be able to get anything at the rim against Oklahoma State. It's going to be ugly, um, as a lot of Oklahoma State games are. But I like what I've seen from the offense of late from Oklahoma State. And- their defense is dominant, and I think they're really starting to to turn it on. I like Oklahoma State here at home against TCU. Mike, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, the last one on my board, just to give some people some relief, a potential bailout. Uh, I like UC Santa Barbara, probably laying 16, 17, going to the Matadome to play Cal State Northridge. 
just, you know, a, a team that can absolutely get you out of your offensive rhythm and force you to score high 40s, low 50s. And it's white flag time for the Matadors at this point in the in the season. They're 11th in the Big West, 4-18 and 18 overall. And you see Santa Barbara, the scheduling gods at least have been, you know, nice to them. Last week they had to go out to Hawaii. And this week they get, you know, a full day, a full week's rest before they end up with this game. So didn't end up throwing off of their their body clock or their chemistry or anything like that. This is a team that they won at home against Cal State Northridge by 20 in their last game. I think it'll be a similar affair. So anything south of, let's call it 17 and a half, I'll go ahead and play the Gauchos. Yeah, they they just, Cal State Northridge can't score. Their offense is absolutely dreadful, which goes to show you how bad the San Diego defenses the Toreros who like have a really good offense have one of the worst defenses in the country and everyone just goes bananas you have 80 to Northridge anyway story for another day uh all right good stuff as always BJ and Mike hope you guys found some of the futures talk Friday night and Saturday discussion useful to help you find some winners with some fun stories mixed in before we do get out of here I do want to uh, say we have selected four Apple podcast review winners for some very nice reviews. I always say we do reviews for those five-star reviews. So let's see. We have reach out to email podcasts at actionnetwork.com. That's podcasts with an S at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. JT for three, Telestar one, Marlins man, TKK. Marlins man, I, he listens to our podcast. Wow. And then going to play every day. Appreciate you as always. Leave a review, five-star review, say whatever you want. Um, we'll do giveaways again in another week or two. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, tell a friend, tell an enemy. Thanks to our audio and video teams in the back end. Always way too underappreciated. Thanks again to Mike and BJ, and thanks to all of you for listening. We will be back on Monday with a recap of the weekend and a preview of Monday Night Hoops. And we will have the debut of Big Bets on Campus Live this Saturday with myself and the three-man weave previewing Saturday's card. So make sure you check that out. I'll tweet out a link to that live show. Thanks again for tuning in. Good luck with all of your wagers this weekend, and we'll see you next week. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.